0: to the Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and a creative writing instructor. You can find more about me at blairhurley.com and on Twitter at bhurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly This week, I'm so happy to be having another one of my author interviews, where I get to chat with a writer I admire and hear their tips for making their writing better, which they like to share with fellow writers. So this week we're talking with Kirsten Alio, who is a novelist and fiction writer who wrote the novel Buddhism for Western Children, which I really adored. You'll hear me talking about it in my chat with Kirsten. So let's get right to the interview. Here's novelist Kirsten Allio. So today I'm talking with Kirsten Alio who is the writer of a novel that I absolutely adored, uh, Buddhism for Western Children. Uh, And I first stumbled upon this novel as part of my own interest in and exploration of uh, Buddhist writing and and Western writing about Buddhism. Um, And I just love this novel. And I'm so glad I got the chance to to get to know Kirsten a little little bit. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kirsten.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great.
0: I've never been on a podcast before. (laughs) Oh, it's so exciting. Great. (laughs) So for your debut in podcast land. um, Yeah, uh, I always just like to ask writers, uh, what is your favorite writing tip that you like to give other writers for for making their writing better?
1: Um, Well, my head is in revision. Right now, I'm in deep in another sort of 10-year-old novel manuscript so my writing tip is about revision Mm -hmm. and I'm if it had a title it would be transposing Mm -hmm. um so um I was thinking about yeah the long-term like stupefying kind of revision um and and then and, and something that I stumbled into, um, which is transpose it, transposing, but I think it also would work for really fresh short stories as well. Hmm. Um, so in music, transposing is changing the key, which might seem really straightforward and even mechanical. I don't know if it is, but, <laughs> um, but it can change the whole orientation, the mood, the color, the weather, the season, the astrological sign of a song. And I have, as I said, sort of stumbled into this. So found myself recently um, transposing scenes in my novel from one character's point of view to another's. Um, And it's probably maybe because I got weary of a character or um, the characters came closer together and some sparks started to fly or I don't, I don't, I don't know how I, why I came there, but um, I noticed as I did it that at my Oh, sort of at my, at my worst and my most like, um, you know, pedantic, re- tired revising, I do tend to reduce a character to like a puppet for dialogue or mm. just a, a vehicle for description or, or, or sort of superficial psychology. Mm-hmm. So I have been charmed and like reanimated myself to discover that a character can really function like a key in music. Like, like in a in this sort of overarching um, this overarching way.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's funny just that you're mentioning this this musical metaphor for revision because just thinking about this because the the lesson I taught some creative writing students yesterday I was trying to use a musical metaphor myself where I was thinking about. Uh, the lengths of sentences and how, how different an effect you can achieve, you know, whether you have sort of a staccato short sentence effect or long language sentences. And I'm no expert on musical terminology at all, but I'm, I'm so glad to hear, to learn about this concept of transposing because I wasn't aware of that. And
1: oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I -hmm. mean, I, I think, boy, I think all the all the art metaphors are so great when you can mm-hmm. get cross-disciplinary stuff going. <laughs> it yeah, always works. You,
0: you had a painting metaphor. That's um, right. I did. Yeah, yeah, which is also Kinda, just as you're saying, cross-disciplinary stuff can really get you thinking about your own writing in a different, just like a different mode, right? You can think about things in a different way.
1: Yeah, oh. for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: the other thing that was revealed to me was this kind of codependence (laughs) to borrow a word from psychology I guess between Mm -hmm. scene and character um that really didn't that wasn't doing either any favors and so on the scene side when I switched the point of view I was able to flush out some really really tepid summary and some kind of autopilot stage dressing stuff Mm -hmm. and I thought um maybe a little bit fancifully but I thought of the old old thing that everybody says about flat characters and round characters or you know Mm -hmm. cardboard characters and three-dimensional characters and I and I saw so clearly how that that applies to scene as well you know that scenes can really they can be really flat and also Mm -hmm. really round and so that that helped and I and by decoupling scene and character I was able to see more clearly what kind of weight each one needed to pull on their own without Mm -hmm. leaning on the other so a quick example from my own novel um, I had a I have a I have a couple of close third person main characters and one has a long section where he is the bearer of his own history he you know he's responsible for his autobiographical section, mm-hmm. and I really, and I really, ugh, it's fine. It's all properly written, and it's all sewed up and buckled and zipped and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, but, but it's burdensome, and it's, it's this sense of yeah, uh, the, ugh, the burden of backstory can really, can really sink a character, and it was really sinking him. So I gave long passages of this formerly of this autobiographical stuff to another character, his housemate, who mm-hmm. is in love with him. And it not only added another layer to her character, the housemates, but also to the stasis of the childhood scenes, um, the backstory scenes, which were now seen and really valued in a new way through her eyes because you know she's possessive of them and yeah. You know
0: just now they're doing uh double duty in your in your work in a way they're, doing, you know, they're, yeah. they're showing yeah. us something about the the lover's perspective on it as well yeah uh-huh. yeah and then in just the way that in real life you know when I don't know
1: you fall in love and the, the yeah. of your love is suddenly every little last detail is so interesting so right right uh, <laughs> it was a it was a sort of a I don't know, it seemed like a, like a hack, like a, like a, like a little technological thing that, that I could do, and it really worked, yeah, quick wonders. So
0: that's my tip. Thank (laughs) you so much. Yes, I love how concrete that is. That is something that writers that are today that are struggling with backstory right now, they have something to try, which is so (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) But uh, your your comments about, about music and metaphor as well will keep me thinking for long after this call. So thank you so much for, for giving these wonderfully helpful tips.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure.
0: <laughs> thanks so much to Kirsten for coming on the show. And thanks for listening.